A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all new Cerebral way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. Hello and welcome to the Guitar Nerds Podcast. I'm your host, Mark Packham. Who is with me this evening? Hello, my name's Jay Cross. You sound so ill. Hello, my name's Matt. Hello, Matt. <laughs> Matt's uh, coming to us uh, via the power of the internet. Jay, you sound so, so ill. I don't feel great. I... <laughs> <laughs> but you've dragged yourself out this yes, evening yes. to Ready. sit here and talk just, about some guitars. Just a busy... Um... Me and Mark went to football this weekend, and uh, crushing! It was a yeah, cr- it wasn't it wasn't great, and I think that's just uh, I I think it was it's opened me up to a just a just the the thing that's weird is that I don't get ill, so I don't know what this is. Yeah, I never get ill. It's not something that happens to me. The illness. <laughs> I could say never take a sick day. Never take a sick day. Never get ill. Um, <clears throat> but no, I feel I feel great. <laughs> you sound great. You sound yeah, great. Yeah, I, I just sort of listening to my voice in these headphones is very odd because we normally so uh, a little bit of inside baseball here. You guys don't normally wear headphones because we're doing things over the internet now. You have to wear headphones. This yeah. is how you sound to me all the time. Really? I mean, not as ill, right? Okay, but you sound very Jay Cross still. Oh, in, okay. In the headphones. Okay, cool. How, how's things in uh, sunny London, Matthew? Yeah, good. Sunny. Uh, the, it's. It's nice being. Um, it's not nice being away from the sea. I, I miss the sea. I miss the beach. Um, but I have got nice green parks to go to. Um, and I also today on Time Hop got a picture of my guitar setup a year ago today, and I own none of the equipment in it <laughs> apart from the two striving pedals. <laughs> what's um, what's changed? Give, so, us a, that, give us a quick rundown. So that's 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 two amp heads. So that's a Dr. Z and a Hovercraft, which I don't own, two different cabs, which I don't own, and two pedal boards with 19 pedals, and I only own two two of those now. <laughs> Literally, I've sold. I, I couldn't believe it. I was looking at it. I was like, this was only a year ago. It felt like much longer, but I obviously changed my gear much more regularly than I think. So um, what, is there maybe any... I should set myself a challenge and to see how long I can actually go without changing anything. What do you miss off those old boards? Um, I miss my old DD3. Um, I wish I still had that. And do you know what? That's about it. I'm because you you get all that stuff, and then you're like, I just you just don't step on anything. You just end up having a massive pedal board. You never use anything. So uh, maybe my M5. But then would I really use it? No, I'm, I I kept the two best, and that's the two driving pedals. So you know, I'm I can't sort of believe happy with that. After fighting the corner for the DD3 for so long, you then got rid of it. He's just going, ah, uh, timeline. Well, I, I think the thing is, because I've got the timeline, I just, I use that all the time, but I sort of do miss the sound of it. But then I don't think I'd ever start, I'd never, I stopped using it as much once I kind of got a similar sound on the timeline. So I was like, well, it's no use having gear that's just sitting around. And I'd probably use that money to then buy more stuff, which I still probably don't own. So, <laughs> you know. On the on the subject of delay pedals, um, on the uh, brand new Guitar Nerds Facebook group, facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash Guitar Nerds forum, um, the uh, chap 
whose name escapes me now, posted the most amazing uh, collection of delay pedals I think I've ever seen. It was basically one of everything. One of all the good ones. Yeah, from every brand, pretty much. <clears throat> except the DD... Is it DD3000? The core. No, which... The cool, oh, the SDD. S- SDD. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and it got me wondering, have you had a chance, either of you, to have a go on that yet? Um, I had, a, I have had a brief go on it. Um, and it does sound, it sounds pretty good. It's got this kind of really like ethereal sort of modulation sound to it all. But the only problem I had was it, it's just a bit too complex. Like, it, there was not very many menus. It was all kind of button-based, but it was so easy to kind of make it sound too weird and and there was no real explanation like on what it's doing so there was some cool presets and stuff um but because i was like oh shall i have this instead of my timeline you know as you normally do when something new comes out and i was like "Mm." there's definitely some good delay sounds on it but i wish they'd done like a more condensed version of it just like a few of the key sounds maybe i think that Um, that could be next couldn't it maybe they could do an sdd 300 or or 30 or something like that where you're just locked into some like because the the edge was the guy that sort of started using the original version of that wasn't he the rack mount version the the two rack mounted versions yeah and I mean, you get a pretty amazing sound in stereo if you're running two of them and two amps. Like, you get a, a pretty amazing sound. And I must admit, like, plugged in and some of the settings, I was like, this is amazing. But then sometimes you just think, oh, maybe I'd just rather have a Space Echo or a Carbon Copy and just be done with it and just leave that on all the time. Because a lot of the times you get delay pedals with, like, 300 presets and then you end up only using, like, two. Um, I, 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 I personally, I think if you... I don't know. I, I'd say it's maybe not as studio-friendly. If you wanted a range of loads of different delay sounds, I'd say the timeline or maybe the time factor from Eventide might be a better choice. But if you wanted some more sort of like... If you're really going for like an edge-like sound or using, or you're really delay-heavy, then it might be, might be really good. But maybe I just need to sit down with it a bit more. How about Digitech Timebender, one of the pedals in that photo? I couldn't get my head around that at all i know um i know some people have used it but i just it did so much weird stuff like all the pitch based like all the stuff where the different repeats could be different pitches it just sort of like what what's going on um but yeah it was, it was one of those i've always thought delay pedals are like the coolest of like because there's there's so many ones out there do so many sort of different sounds but then i've only ever just wanted one on my pedal board speaking um, of after i got the timeline Speaking of delay pedals, did, Matt, did you see? I got an email today to say that the um, the uh, that Moog aren't doing any more of the Moogafuga 104, the analog delays, because they can't get any more of the um, uh, the, the bucket chip. brigade chips. Yeah, they're also discontinuing the Freak Box, which is their oscillator in a box. I think oh. they're building them until they run out of parts. But those, those delays are like you'll never. I think they're one of those units that you'll never lose money on. Like some of the old ones are still going for like five hundred quid. They're still going for what you probably would have paid for it like ten, fifteen years ago. Because they're all analog and they're like all hand built. So I mean, they're like amazing bits of kit. So I think they did the 104 and then yeah. the 104Z, and I think the what current one's the 104M. It is the 104M, the, yeah. Yeah. What's the um? What's but the? It's or, a lot of money to pay. What's the origin of uh, Bucket Brigade um, chips? Like, I kind of I see that banded around a lot. Like, obviously, there's um, there's some pedals that like actively advertise <laughs> the fact they've got Bucket Brigade <laughs> circuitry. Where did that originate? Where did it come from? I don't know the full like technical history of it but i think it was something that was developed after obviously you know a lot of people were using tape and then obviously tape became a fairly unreliable thing especially to gig a you know a lot um and it was a, a physical like chip that someone had developed for another use and i can't remember what that use was and then because obviously what it does is it effectively stores the sound and then plays it back um was, and it, then was different... it brigading buckets? Yeah, no, There's the, the reason they call it bucket brigade is it's the, the analogy they use to describe how it works, which is something like a fireman's got a huge bucket of water 
and then there's loads of empty buckets and he's trying to get the water to the end of the chain so he pours a little bit in one bucket and then pours that into the next bucket and then pours that into the next bucket and then that into the next bucket until he gets to the end of the chain and then each one of those is a repeat but as you pour further down the line you lose less and less water which is where your signal goes until it cuts out wait you lose more and more water like every, every time you pour it you lose a little bit of water yeah 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 so if you start with a big bucket and you pour it down the chain then but yeah i, can't, I think that's i read so that weird. in uh, yeah that and that's where i think the 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 term bucket brigade comes from um and then obviously as they got better and better you know and then they had more more space you know so you could have longer delay times um, and then it moved to digital with obviously boss doing the dd2 that was the first digital delay pedal i think if i remember my boss history correctly um because it had because the d jamie was saying that the dd3 and the dd2 are the same chip or something similar they're almost exactly the same pedal with more features presumably that seems to be boss's way is just like add a, a few extra bits yeah, although I don't think there was that much difference between the two and the three. There was more difference between the three and the five. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think the Boss, the DD2 was the first digital delay pedal. Well, the five, um, the five didn't really replace the the five didn't replace the three, did it? It was it was kind of just a just another a one. another an, one. Well, just another one, wasn't it? Because they did five and then six and and then and seven. Now seven. You don't see DD5s very much. I remember them being in the catalogue a long time, but whenever I see like Boss Digital Delays second hand, it's DD3s, obviously, because they're, there's been loads of them out. Yeah. But then you always see like DD6s and six, DD7s yeah. um, second hand. Mm. I, I can't recall the last time I saw a DD5 for sale second hand. Ah, maybe it'll be one of those like future rarity collectibles. I don't know how long they were in the catalogue for, but they probably were there for a few years. Yeah. yeah. I, yeah. I, I had a DD6. I don't know where it went. <laughs> <laughs> Yesterday, <clears throat> not, uh, when was it? Over the weekend, I went, um, I went to see one of my mates' bands play and I, ca- I went straight from work. It was Sunday. I went straight from work and I, uh, I, had, a, I had a text from, from a mate of mine just being like, oh, I don't suppose that you've got a distortion pedal I can use, do you? Because, <laughs> like... I uh, like I, I'm just I've, I've got my, one of my mates' pedal boards, but he's only got one distortion pedal on it. So like, and I need it to. I need another one. I'm like, oh man, I I I I'd love to, but like I've I you know I actually lent you know this distortion pedal I've got to him. Hang on, whose pedal board have you got? And he went, oh, I've got my friend Giles's. I was like, right, cool. The reason I can't lend you a pedal board, the reason I can't lend you a distortion is because Giles has got my distortion pedal. <laughs> So he was already using my distortion. So we, um, Jay and I went out last night to, um, well, Jay put on some bands, um, notably Beach Slang, who are kind of alternative punk, kind pop, of like a power poppy. They sound a bit like the replacements. replacements they did a replacement cover. Um, and not only were they borrowing all of your stuff, um, in the, it was a, what, Fender Supersonic 22? Yeah, one of the guitarists was using the Supersonic 20, my Supersonic 22. The other guitarist was using my AC30 hand-wired. Uh, he was also playing my Telecaster. The bassist was using my American Standard P-Bass. And they also had my basement, which apparently... Uh, it's broken. It's broken. Broke halfway through the tour. Where did so, they get that? I noticed they were playing an orange rig. Where did they get that from? Uh, that was the support bands. Oh, was it? Okay, yeah, fine, yeah. fine. Uh, that sound, it sounded amazing. The bassist was using an eighty two hundred through uh, orange eight by ten. It just sounded like Sansamp into an eighty two hundred. Just sounded so good. Crucially, though, the reason I bring it up, one of the guitarists, the one not using Jay's Telly, was using a Gibson Sonex one eighty in silver. One of the rarest Gibsons ever. A hundred made. Less than a hundred made, apparently. Was that the one was that one of the ones that you did on the video you did of the rarest Gibson? It was, yeah, yeah. Video over on the YouTube channel, Guitar Nerds Videos. Um yeah, I think it was like number eight or nine or something, um, in the top ten. And um they're a bit of a weird one. They're like a wooden I think they're a mahogany block with a plastic body like round the outside. Um what? Round the outside, right. the Buffalo Girls. No, wait. Um, yeah, they're um, so they're based on the same body shape as the S1 and the Marauder, 
Um, but yeah. they came out a few years later and they've got a mahogany centre block and a plastic body. And the silver ones in particular are super rare, less than 100. And what did the guy say? Jay like bought it because I went home and like posted it on the group like, oh my God, I saw a Sonics 180. Um, and then what you bought it up and what well, did they yeah, say? They just stayed at my house and I was just like, oh yeah, this is cool. It's super rare. It was like, oh, yeah, I bought it for like $300 from a pawn shop or something. Like, Which <laughs> to be honest is kind of all it's worth. Yeah, like, yeah, 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 yeah. Things that are rare also have to be a bit good to justify, you know, being, you know, big money. But um, yeah. the Sonics 180s, I mean, it sounded great last night. It sounded great for what he was using it for, but it's not the most refined Gibson no. ever. <laughs> I think it... I, um, so I was going to say, I just had a look and the official wood or the official body is resin wood. Yes. Uh, which is the Sonics multiphonic body is composed of resin wood surrounding an inner tone wood core. There we go. And it's not, as far as I'm aware, it's not wood at all. It's like, yeah, it's like a plastic weird composite thing. Um, but yeah, it looks Wasn't super cool. There was well. another guitar in the 80s that did that. Um, there's probably Wasn't there a guitar in the 80s that had like a hole in the back and you can insert different tone blocks into the back? It wasn't the 80s. That was like when I first started working um, in the guitar shop. Um, I forget what they were called now. And I remember going to, a, like, I think it was called the Great British Guitar Show or something in Birmingham. Um, and the guy was there on one of the stands and he had like these crazy guitars that were plastic body and then different plastic blocks that you could slide in. And he was like, oh, this one sounds oh, just like mahogany. Slide that in, slide it out. Oh, this, oh, just like Swamp Ash. Slide it in. It was just, they were just nonsense. Um, but- it, sounds like, it sounds like, you know, when you're playing like Pokemon Red or something and you're like, oh, yeah, I'm just going to like boost up one of my Pokemons by giving them this gemstone. It's like you can't make that work with guitars. Is the plural of Pokemon Pokemons? No, it's definitely Pokemon. Oh, no. Did I say Pokemon? Did. I didn't mean to say Pokemon. Um, but yes, it is like that. It is a bit like Pokemon Red. Um, gentlemen, um, we have uh, well, a bit of news. We or the last bit of news for this week. We started a new group on Facebook. Um, Facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash guitar nerds forum is where you need to be. Um, that's where we're going to be hanging out um, and asking for questions and stuff for the podcast um, and. Posting up nice pictures of gear. Uh, loads of people have been posting up their rigs. Some immense pedal boards already. Uh, Matt, you posted yours up there, looking nice and neat. Yeah, I, I, that's that's one of my biggest things. Got to keep it neat. Definitely. Spend a lot of time just keeping it neat and less time playing it. Although now <laughs> it's done, maybe the other way around. It's never done. That's the thing. It is never ever done. Maybe there should be some sort of like T-shirt that just like. With a pedal board on it that just says it's never done there we go maybe, maybe that's i don't know that's the one of the first shirts for the the uh, store maybe we'll see we'll see um so anyway one maybe. of the things we like to do on the group is um well basically take questions from there um and answer them on this here podcast um first up this week james says gentlemen i've just got my gretch back and i've noticed that the white binding is turning yellow reasons please i've only had the guitar a year from new and do not smoke uh, Matt, what do you think? Why is the white binding turning a bit yellow? Um, it can be a, like a number of reasons. Like, so usually though, it happens on guitars that are finished in nitro. So I don't know exactly what Gretsch he, is he's got. Because if he's got one of the more expensive uh, Japanese built one, Japanese built ones that's in finished in nitro, it could be the hanger that you're putting on or the stand. Um. But maybe is it sat on the, in sunlight or something like that? It might discolour it. Because um, not many of the gritches are, are finished in though. nitro. No, it's only some of the real high-end yeah. ones. These are, here's a weird one. I'm, maybe it's something to do with the stand it's on, or maybe it's just ageing. I mean, to be honest, I've never owned a white guitar, so I don't know how long it takes to get, like... Because I've actually I had a blonde telly that went pretty that was pretty yellow, but obviously that was like forty years old. Um, but I don't know. We've I mean I've seen some guitars that have been on hangers for like six months and they've started to go slightly yellow. So it might maybe the stand. But if it's the binding, where would it sit? Yeah, if it's it was weird, just on the it? binding. Um, well, unless it's a wall hanger and the binding has started to go yellow around the where the. You know, if it's a Gretsch, the binding will go all the way up to the headstock. So, um, could be that. Yeah. Could be the hangover, which 
there's not unfortunately there's not really any way to reverse that apart from don't put it on that hanger will stop it will stop that well, happening as badly once but... it started yeah once it started there's obviously not a lot you could do to kind of stop it in a sense but you could have it stripped and refinished but it's that's a lot of work i'd say roll with it it's a one of those battle scars that you know uh gives a bit of character to the guitar and um yeah, that's it is one of the things about buying white guitars is that they do go a bit yellow, particularly if they've uh, if they've got nitro finished. Yeah. So Adam says, "What do you think is the most important? What do you think is most important to sink the cash into your wait? I can't read today. What do you think is the most important thing to sink the cash into your rig? Your guitar, your amp, or your pedals? I think I didn't take that down properly. He's saying." Where would you rather spend the money? Guitar, amp, or pedals? What's going to make the most difference to your rig? Um, Jay Cross. I think amplifier. I think you can sort of get away with having, um, you know, a sort of cheapy guitar as long as it's going into, as long as it's going into a good amp. Um, the problem with, you know, if you take if you take an amazing Les Paul and you plug it into a small, you know. To you know, one and a half inch speaker, it's, it doesn't matter how good the guitar is. It's always going to sound like it's coming out of a one inch speaker, one and a half inch speaker. You know, there's. But if you take a cheap guitar and plug it into, for example, if you were to own a Hamwide AC30, <laughs> you know, you plug you plug anything into that, it sounds so good. So I mean, for me, it, it's really got to be the amp. Or indeed, if you plug a Sonex 180 plastic-bodied <laughs> Gibson 80s uh, thing into a Fender Supersonic into 22, my Supersonic 22, yeah. it sounds bloody brilliant. Yeah, it did last night. It sounded great. Um, Matt, you've obviously spent a considerable uh, amount of money on your pedal board. Um, if you had to, you know, if you couldn't, um, if not all of the things in your rig could be of the same quality, where would you spend money? Would you still concentrate on the pedal board or would you spend a bit more on the amp or would you spend more on the guitar um i think for me i'd probably agree with jay in fact that you'd probably want to spend it on your amp so if you've if i'm assuming that you've already got a guitar rig so you've already got a guitar an amp and a pedal for example you're probably already happy with the guitar if you're not happy with the guitar then obviously that's really the first thing you should think about spending money on because that's what you're, you're physically actually playing um, but if you're happy with the guitar, the amp is going to make the biggest tonal change to your overall sound. Like a Les Paul is always going to sound like a Les Paul, um, and the amp is going to like shape and sculpt that sound. So if you're like, you've got a Les Paul, but you're playing it through like a small Fender, and you're like, I want a bigger rock sound, then spending more money on like a Marshall or a Boogie is going to make a much bigger difference to your sound rather than going well i'll stick with the amp but i'll buy a different guitar so i would say that to be honest yeah spending the money on the amp first would make the the bigger difference but always spend the maximum amount of money on all the pedals (laughs) because ultimately that is the best thing to do surely the other way to look at this is to just like not buy a guitar and just get like a random tone generator and put it through loads of pedals yeah, put it through a Space Echo into a Hamwide AC30, and uh, <laughs> and that would be the biggest overkill. Yeah, I've got this Hamwide AC30, and I've put a random tone generator into it um, through a Space Echo. But I've spent all the money on the original Space Echo. Yeah, um, maybe I'll do yeah, that. That's that. Just give up playing guitar and just play random tone generator. Like, I might just like go home. I might just start going home, and instead of putting on a record or putting on the football or something, I'll just turn on the random tone generator and let it run through this <laughs> run, run through my space echo into everything else your final final part of your journey into becoming brian eno yeah. has then become complete <laughs> i'm gonna have one room like one amp on either side of the room and just pew. i'm, I'm gonna, kind of into that idea though yeah just you know through loads of delay and just yeah. set stuff bouncing across the living room i'm into it that's a bit goes a bit barbarian sound studio yeah, yeah. at that point yeah um for those who have not seen that film definitely do check it out uh, there's a lot of fun to be had with tape loops barbarian sound system is like sound studios barbarian sound studio is it's always is one of like the most benign- have you seen it yet matty no no Mate. although film wise i have been watching loads of trilogies 
so <laughs> I'm working my way through some of those first. Well, just watch Barbarian Sound Studio three times. Yeah. It's the same. Once watch forward, it. once backwards, and then... Once, once standing behind the television. Yeah. Just yeah. to get the full effect. Yeah, done. Yeah, yeah. done. Um, I'm going to throw a bit of spanner into the works on this question. In that, um, I'm going to say it depends on what you're doing. I think if you're gigging and you can turn things up super loud, then definitely the amp should be the main, you know, where you spend the bulk of your money. You can kind of get away with it as well when you're not in a highly scrutinised situation. Like, I, I think you could get away with, you know, having an Epiphone Les Paul, as long as you've got, you know, a Marshall stack or an orange stack or something, like, gig-worthy. If you're at home, does your amp need to be that good? Yeah, I suppose so. I suppose that's a very fair point. I've got the Hughes & Kettner Tubemaster 5. Would I... I mean, I've got that because it's small and I quite like the sound of it, but it's not... I don't think it's the best amp for home. It's okay, and, you know, I got it... A reasonable price and it definitely does the job um for home i'd much rather spend more money on the guitar because the feel then becomes yeah. way more important um and just the thing as an object like if i was just going to play at home i'd much want the i'd want the guitar to be much nicer than the amp whereas if i was going gigging like i don't care that much about what the guitar looks like or really even how it plays particularly for me because i play you know i'm a bass player um but, you know, play punk and stuff like that. The guitar doesn't have to play that nicely if you're doing a punk gig. Like, we saw it last night watching Beach Slang. As long, if you've got a guitar that you can throw around, um, you know, you don't have to be incredible on guitar. A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all-new Cerebral way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. Doesn't have to play that well. But the fact that they had those two really nice amps turned up super loud made them sound amazing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I think it's a bit more complicated i mean i never yeah, no, i never I... think you should spend the most money on pedals because that's just ridiculous are you sure yeah i'm 100 percent sure but also <laughs> like you know when i came around here i mean when i arrived here i just picked up your les paul jr and just played it unplugged and it's like that's completely fine i do that with my les paul as well you know i'll just i when i'm at home i'll just play it not plugged in and it sounds it sounds great. So yeah, I guess you know if you're at home, if you're just playing at home, then you know maybe you, the guitar really is the bit that's going to be the bit that inspires you to play. You know, so just make sure that you've got you know a really good something that just feels nice and sounds nice. For me, like if a guitar if a guitar doesn't sound nice like unplugged, I just won't ever plug it in. Yeah. This is the problem that I have with the Aria DM380 that I've got, the yeah. ridiculous pink Mosrite copy. copy. It's not that good. Um, <laughs> it's it's amazing. Like, it looks amazing, and it's like a piece of... As an object, it's incredible. And if I was gigging all the time, like, that would be the perfect guitar because it looks like a Ramones guitar. It's got P90s. I could throw it around. It's not heavy. At home, like... Because of how it's built and because it's like, you know, it's a £149 guitar, something like that, it's not very resonant. And for me, I you know, at home, I like to just sit on the sofa. I don't plug in the whole amount a lot. Like, no. if I'm just going to sit down and play guitar for five minutes, I don't plug in. Um, 
Like, I never pick up the Aria for that. Like, I'll always go back to the Les Paul and, yeah. and play that. Um, so I think, yeah, that speaks really to my argument on this question. Like, if you're playing at home mainly, spend a load of money on the guitar. Um, yeah. Yeah, that's fair. Or, you know, just spend loads of money on everything. Yeah, I mean... Fine, just save up. Just save up. Treat yourself nice. <laughs> Um, Alastair says um, what's the best bang for your buck Les Paul guitar on the market when you consider all manufacturers basically who has the best build quality best build quality I don't know what's wrong with me this evening playability and tone for the most reasonable price Matt Les Paul uh, actual Les Pauls or Les Paul copies is there anything that's jumped out at you as being just really really nice I mean it's difficult really because when people go what's your best like Les Paul style guitar the money in terms of what you get now on say the cheaper range of Gibson Les Pauls like the studios I think studios are like 899 yeah like I would say that you know for me not necessarily budget but like for your money what you get for sub a thousand pounds you know adjustable brass nut you know robot machine heads like if you want like all bells and whistles like that's an amazing guitar for the money you know coil taps plenty of switching options but if you it's it's weird because people say oh, i want a les paul style guitar like is there any reason why you wouldn't necessarily look at a gibson or do you specifically not want that name on the headstock because you could look at like prs se's than they do um like the tremonte series i really like, like the 245 uh, yeah they're like the single cut les pauls aren't yeah. they um and that you know they're just they're just great guitars for the money, especially if you want something that looks more like a Les Paul in terms of like a flame top. They're like awesome value for money because most of those are like what sub six hundred pounds, I think. Yeah, they're, so, they're I mean, about that. They're like an amazing Les Paul, the, a Les Paul style guitar for the money. It's um yeah, I mean another one I would say to look at on the SE range is the Zach Myers. Like it's slightly different thing um but it's you know it's single cut um but it's got that hollow body like that's a guitar at the moment that's really kind of like jumping out i think in that range um mm. they seem to have been promoting it quite heavily and you know it's not a traditional les paul in that it's you know it's got that hollow body but if you want something gibson-esque i guess it's not that far off the path um how about someone yeah. like how about someone like esp at the moment well i mean I... What have you got in the, in the P range? Thousand? Are they? The, they're the, like the middle of the range ones, aren't they? They're not the cheapest ones. Um, and they they do. I think they do a model with Seymour Duncan, so not as kind of high output. And I suppose if you want something sort of a little bit more sort of contoured and sculpted compared to a Les Paul, they're they're a pretty good choice because I think maybe some people fall down with a Les Paul because they can just seem a bit too chunky. Yeah, like in terms of like, you know, if you want something more modern feeling, like ESP is definitely a a much better choice. Yeah, and they've um, got, I think, the most of the, um, like the EC one thousands have all got like a much flatter radius as well, don't they? So it's more like, yeah, I think they go up to like fourteen. Yeah, like I think it's pretty flat. Um, and also EMGs on most of those as well. Like I guess you get the option when you start getting high up on the Eclipse range. Mm. There's an EC1000 with Duncans, isn't there? And an yeah. EC1000 with EMGs. And the Duncan choice, I think, is like JB and Jazz. So like proper sort of good for rock, but it, they really mellow out. So I think they offer like both sides of the spectrum. So you can have e like EMGs, like full out sort of like pickups. Because a lot of people, you know, want a Les Paul but they want something with more output um, because Les Paul offers that big resonant you know deep mahogany body um, but it doesn't offer the power in terms of the pickups that people want so you know going for something like, like an ESP where you can put EMGs in it is a, is a good option what if I was to look for an affordable Les Paul with a built-in flanging circuit. Is there anything... Uh... Ah, the Sully Erner. Yeah. The... I, was, I still love that guitar. I still think, uh, when I had a chance to have a go on it, I was like, this guitar, actually, why don't I have a built-in flanger in my guitar? <laughs> when, that must be the only guitar that's ever had it built in. 
like obviously you know i you know mansons did like the matt bellamy and that had like a fuzz factory and they had that circuit specifically built and but you just you don't see it like i know that it was a pedal company i think i showed you mark like maybe a year ago where they went they designed pedals that are specifically designed to like stick on your guitar yeah so then you go from the output jack into the pedal and then from the pedal to the rest of your pedal board and they were like weird fuzzes but they were like massive triangles with like sticky back velcro that you like stick on the front of your guitar such a weird design like, i remember looking at that thinking that will never take off and guess what it never did oh speaking of weird things on your guitar i meant to say to you matty i uh i saw about i saw my mate's band play the other the other day and uh this band called apologies i have none who i think are the um the punk band in the uk who've best got a grasp of how to use the effects pedal um, like they just they sounded so on point the whole way through like their their pedal boards were incredible like they both had flashback uh, X4s um, one of them also had a um, uh, an RE20 which he just kept just pushing the oscillation button on all the time but at one point when they were doing like a really weird part of the set the the guy who had the um, who had the uh um, the RE20, he like to build up feedback. He pulled out a power drill, <laughs> and he nice. like he just turned the power drill on, and like used the vibrations from the drill on the strings of his guitar. It sounded unbelievable. I was just like I couldn't work out what was going on. It was it was absolute madness. It was incredible. What was the um, Matt? You'll know this. What was the thing that Paul Gilbert invented that had? It was a power drill attachment that had a pick on it, so that <laughs> it was Paul. It was Paul Gilbert, wasn't it? Always he had that song where it had like, yeah, it, it wound out with like four picks, so he could do like really fast tremolo picking. <laughs> um, mental. In fact, I I went to a gig once and someone was covering that song. And they did exactly that. What like, sort of... Where, where did you go as someone was covering that uh, song? I must admit, it was, the, it was one of the BIM gigs when I went to BIM. Right, okay. There was a band and they did that and then he had a power drill with picks on the end. They went, they went you will not pass your guitar degree unless you can pull off the power drill and then afterwards pull a rabbit out of a hat. Yeah, yeah. Um, although actually I did I, I went they put on a guitarist called uh, Matthias Eklund from uh, Sweden who is like an amazing technical guitarist like some of the sounds he gets out of just his guitar and the tremolo arm is just like he's got a song called Print This and it starts with him basically emulating the sound of an old printer um, <laughs> and it's it's like absolutely spot on but halfway halfway through he pulled out um a vibrator and then used that against the pickup right so like basically the the on the magnet on that and then yeah basically create like an ebo type effect i was like ah oh, good idea <laughs> what an um, absolute deal though <laughs> <laughs> mike so, says um, but you could just buy an ebo so. Mike says, in a band, is there any point adding effects to bass when there's so much going on with electric guitars slash keyboards, etc.? J-Cross. Matt Knight. <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, I, I did play ba uh, bass in a band briefly, and yes, I was like, hell yeah, I'm going to use all my effects pedals. I think I took a pedal board out with like eight pedals. I think I haven't <laughs> ever stepped on the distortion, but I definitely thought it was worth taking more than that. Um, I would say, it, I mean, it depends. I mean, really, no. Um, <laughs> I mean, it unless does you're playing a basic. It does depend what you're doing, obviously, because you know, well, you need you need your uh, you need your sans amp, well, and you need your yeah. boss T T three, yeah, and you know you need your harmonic your, your harmonic percolator so yeah absolutely you need you know i've in fact in the band i'm playing bass in at the moment i've got a few pedals i'm using the re20 i'm using <laughs> the, the the harmonic percolator um tu3 and uh 
Yeah, that, that, that's it. I might take, take the, the phaser. I might take the phaser. I have been thinking about it. Yeah, just like getting really, really weird with it. <laughs> I don't think there's it's any the need for that. It's the ridiculous pedal. The Fender phaser is, is so good. There's no need for all those pedals on bass. Just bass, amp, DI out from the amp, out to the desk. That's all we need. <laughs> and a good pick, because that basically will do all of the jobs of all of those pedals. If you can make your bass sound more driven, you don't need a harmonic percolator. Just get a harder pick and a stronger <laughs> arm. <laughs> yeah, you don't need them. Um, but I suspect uh, one of our friends, um, Joseph, might uh, say otherwise. But I'm Joseph saying... Joseph underscore 900 yeah. might not be... He's going to be listening to this in absolute rage yeah, right you, now. Categorically, you never need to use effects on bass. <laughs> Definitely. Colin says, Boss SY300 guitar synthesizer system. Demos for Music Meso make it seem like the holy grail for synth-loving guitarists such as myself. Anyone had a hands-on with it yet? What's Matt's take on it? Will it live up to the hype? Have Boss finally delivered the guitar system we've been t- they've been pretending to launch every few years for the last three decades? <laughs> um... Matt, I assume you've not had hands on it yet because I don't think they exist outside of that trade show yet. Um, what Have you had a look at any videos? What do you make of it? Well, the only videos available are videos that people have taken from Music Meta and there isn't that much information. Now, I did hear that they're basically... The idea behind it is that they've kind of made it that doesn't require the GK pickup. So it does pretty much all the same synth things. It doesn't do any modeling like pianos or trumpets or strings, but it does all the synth stuff the same way a GK pickup would do it, but without the need for that. So it's like full on, like heavy duty, like proper synthesizer sounds. So if you really want some, like to go in depth with that, but not have the hassle of the GK system, I think it could potentially be really good. I mean, it's not cheap. I think it's going to be about five hundred pounds. I think. Yeah, I think they list so list at four nine nine. I think. So it, it is a lot of money in that sense. But then, what else is there that does that sort of range of sounds that doesn't require an extra pickup that you can just add to a pedal board, or you can? I think it's got USB out, so you can use it for direct recording as well. You could use it for things like bass, you know, because the only thing really, if you've got like the micro synth or the mark bass super synth, but then you have the same sort of editing controls that you've got on something like the SY300. So I really want to have a go on one, but I don't think they're landing until July. But I think there's some videos, or I'd imagine Roland are probably going to knock out some videos before then. Yes, I think uh, Jamie, who uh, is a uh, boss representative who's also on the Guitar Nerds group, uh, facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash guitar nerds forum um, is going to be doing some videos this week so hopefully they'll go up and will tell us a bit more but it looks very promising I quite like the fact I mean obviously like the fact you don't need the GK pickup uh, intrigued as to how that's actually going to work um, but yeah I just like the fact that uh, what I like is that they just keep going down this route and like making it better each time you know we you remember we had like the GR33 and things like that, which is was kind of like the best version that it could be, and then that got improved on with the new one, GR55. 55, yeah. Um, yeah. And then this looks like it's taking the concept even further, and it's kind of typical boss, really. It's like let's just keep making this better and adding more features and making it easier to use and making the tracking even better on the guitar and stuff like that. So. Um, yeah, that's kind of what is exciting about it, I think. Because I, th- I think it's polyphonic as well. I'm not 100% on that, but I, th- I think they've gone down like... Like some of the demo videos I've seen, like some of the sounds you can get out of it are, are pretty nuts. Like you've got all the extra control pedals for doing like expression and adding, adding in filters and, and things like that as well. So it should be a really in-depth unit for kind of people who want a lot of sort of like more synthesizer sounds and I imagine you could even run like just a normal synth through it and use that to kind of alter the sound of that as well so should be uh, yeah should be a good unit Martin says I've just got a bass for my birthday and I'm loving it just wondered what difference there was between normal and flat wound strings beyond the feel of them also uh, they got me an EBS session 30 amp that sounds pretty good 
are there any must-have type pedals for budding bass novice to complete my first rig? Always a little unsure what compression brings to the party. Is there modulation stuff that lends itself to the bass? Sans amp versus soul food bass. Um, well, we kind of covered this um, in uh, the couple of questions ago. I should maybe have probably put these questions together, but, you know, minimal preparation <laughs> as always. Firstly, flat wounds and um, round wounds. The difference, apart from the feel, I guess, is the sound. <coughs> round wounds generally are brighter. Flat wounds are much more thumpy and kind of held back you don't get any definition or treble is that how i guess that's how you describe yeah, it yeah i mean flat is uh the i mean they are flatter you know like the sound is flatter the sound is with with round round strings you get a lot more oomph um am i am i right in thinking that it was john entwistle who basically came up with round wound strings i don't no 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 definitely not for bass no i think no it wasn't joe brown Joe, I remember we were talking to Joe once and he was saying that. I'm I sure that's... That, I think that's true. I think it's... I'm sure someone out there in forum land will be able to tell us. But yeah, I don't... I mean, that may be true. I, I think he was like, why Why do my strings sound like this? I want them to sound like a guitar. And said to Rotor Sound, can you make me some strings that sound like a guitar, but for bass rather than flat ones? Just because, I mean, it kind of makes sense because, you know... What was what were bass strings? They were the strings that you used on a on a on a double bass. Yeah, you know, but just smaller b- until then. But um, yeah, I think it was I think it was John. Ent- I think sorry, I think. I think. Your, your voice is definitely going. <laughs> I think it was John Entwistle who came out there. But um, anyway, that's sort of besides the point. The um, I just sort of talked about that because I don't know really how to describe the difference between flat ones and. Uh, Flat ones are thumpier, darker sounding. Yeah, very um, dark sounding. Um, with very little definition um, and very little top end, whereas round wounds are definitely much brighter, or at least start off much brighter. Um, that, I would say, is kind of... I mean, he, um, Martin even says in his email, standard strings. And I guess that's what we've come to expect. That's what basses yeah. come strong with. That's what you'd expect on most basses, really. Flat wounds have become more of a kind of special specialty thing and used for a kind of special effect in terms of because we've covered bass pedals already let's do this quickly um if you were going to buy someone a birthday present uh which was one bass pedal um what would it be matt knight one pedal you can to give to your bass playing friend i would say uh nano bass big muff uh, because I think that will alter the guitar or the bass sound more than anything else. So, like, you can really go from, like, a completely clean sound to, like, a really fuzzy sound. And to be honest, every time you turn one on, you're like, yeah, this sounds awesome. Um, so, yeah, I would say that. And they're relatively, you know, for me, you know, conscious in what I'm spending my for my friend, they're, I think they're about 50 quid. So I think that's a pretty good pedal for bass. J-Cross. See, I'm a bit more generous than Matt Knight. <laughs> <laughs> and for my mates, I'm, I'm willing to spend a bit more money. Um, Sansamp, you need you need a Sansamp. You need a, uh, a maybe not the the bass. I mean, I really like the bass driver Di. Um, I've I had a, uh, a, a VT bass for a while as well, which was cool. Personally, I prefer the bass driver Di. It's the one that I it's the one that I use now. But um, I I just think that's such a you need. I just even Branton's got one. You know. You know, you you need to you need to have one, I think, because it's it's just so good as a backup as well. You know, if you can't if you can't plug in, that's always been my opinion. I would go for. Do you know what? It's going to be completely different, and this is definitely you're like going with. I know exactly what you're going to go for. You might not. It's a little bit more out of the box. Um, it's like, and it won't work for everyone. The Digitech, Digitech. bass synth one. I know exactly what you could go for because it's cheap. It's definitely cheerful. It does a lot of sounds, and there's no other pedals that sound like it really. No. And it does it does a lot of things. It does um, so. It's, I think it's got nine presets on there that you can then adjust the parameters within that. Um, first one being like um, a sort of like Qtron uh, sort of baseballs type sound, and then as you go around, it gets kind of more sort of analog synth. Uh, and then I think the last one is just like square wave triggers. So if you're looking for something that isn't just a drive, um, 
then go for one of those. I think they're the best value for money pedal, or one of the best value for money pedals that's ever been made. Um, what are they like? Thirty yeah, quid they're like or not 37 even Thirty-seven quid, I think maybe. They're amazing, um, and I just think they're super fun to play around with. And if you're just starting out on bass and you want, you know, rather than go through the hassle of like put flat wounds on your bass or do anything like that. Just get a bass synthwire. They're awesome. They'll give and you green, and they're super green. Like it's a great pedal for someone just starting out who wants to experiment with some weirder stuff and doesn't want to spend loads of money. Um, that's all the questions for this week. Thanks very much. There, we did actually get some more in the group. We'll we'll do some more next week. Um, we are running out of time, and Jay is running out of voice. Yeah. Completely. Sorry. I don't mean to put a limit on these things. <laughs> Thanks very much for uh, joining us again this week. If you want to submit questions, please do it on the Facebook group, facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash guitar nerds forum. Um, you will notice that has changed. Um, that is where you will now submit questions. You will submit questions for this podcast. Um, or you can do it on Twitter. We're at guitar nerds on Twitter. Um, and Or you can get to us individually. I'm Mark underscore random. Um, where can people find you guys? Um, you can find me uh, on Twitter at J-A-Y-B-N-1. That is my name and the postcode that I live in. Do you still live in BN1? Yeah, I do. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, you are now, aren't you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I wasn't for I wasn't a while. Sure that was borderline. When does BN2 start? BN2 is the other side. Or BN2 like that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. BN2 is the other side. BN3, like the boundary between BN1 and BN3 is not far from where I am. I was living alive for quite a while because, like, I, I was BN1 for a really long time. And then I moved to, like, I was in BN3. I was in BN2 for a while. I was in BN41. And then I was in RH13. And now I'm back in BN1. And it's oh, wicked. What are you? Are you. <laughs> SW. What was I or what am I now? What are you now? SW2. Oh, there we go. It's one of the posh ones. Even though I'm in that, it's like some of like the real like posh houses are in SW2 and SW1. But weirdly, if you walk just down the road, you're in SW12. So I have no idea how they how they work them out here. But uh, yeah. like Mark SW- is shaking his head. London's it's... rubbish, mate. <laughs> London's rubbish. My uh, postcodes are really cool I really like it's such a weird thing to be into but like I'm really into postcodes like I just think that like knowing where stuff is like is really I I don't know it explains so so much (laughs) Matt where can people find you on the internet uh, you can find me on Twitter, uh, Matt underscore Nightsy that's Night S-I-A on the end Uh, or you can find me on the Facebook yeah, I think um, we're going to be way more active in the Facebook group than we've been uh, previously. I've already been posting up pictures and suggesting topics and stuff like that. So, yeah, do come find us on the Facebook. Um, and, uh, yeah, just um, share this podcast with your mates. Tell them to listen to it. It's all uh, it's all going good. Um, and hopefully um, next week we'll have worked out a better way to uh, speak to Matt over the internet so he doesn't sound so garbled. We're getting a little bit of uh, Matt through a random time generator vibe this end but you sound uh, you sounded okay for most mostly good well that is good that is good indeed thanks for listening and um, we'll uh, see you next week cheers cheers bye When you drive a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10-year, 100,000-mile limited warranty, you stop thinking about what you can't do and start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner. Kia. Movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain and 5-year, 60,000-mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details.